Okay, here we go. New Hope Radio. I'm glad to be here. I hope you're glad to be here because we got something good for you today. Oh, yeah. It's the Word of God. Jesus called it food for the soul. How's your soul doing? You hungry? I'm going to feed it today. I would say if there's one thing many people can agree on, it's that no one can do a great work alone. Right? Think of your physical body. It takes hands and feet to get something done, right? Every church needs hands and feet. And because of that, oh, great things can be accomplished. Just like a surgeon needs assistance, a quarterback needs a team, a ship, and a captain needs a crew. Well, the Apostle Paul, though he's a great apostle, perhaps the greatest of the apostles, he understood this very well. And as we close our series, Roman Gems, digging out some principles to help us with our own personal life, we come into chapter 16. And chapter 16 is going to open up with some commendations. Paul understands the need to build up people, to thank people, to commend people for those that helped him in his own ministry for the Lord. I hope we can learn that today too. Think about it. All through his letter to the Roman church, Paul dealt with some very important issues, which we studied here in our series. He talked about the fact that God has no favorites. He's not partial to any. We talked about justification, knowing the mind of God, who can, what is true election, how salvation works, and many, many more important things in the letter. And I would say then that everything Paul wrote in this letter is very important. So when we come to chapter 16, he opens up with something that is no less important. What he's going to say in the last chapter of the letter, which we would easily skip over, is just as important as everything else he said in the whole letter. And here he opens up with commendations to his fellow workers. And wouldn't you know it, he starts off with naming women. Women who have always been instrumental in the work of the gospel since the church began. That's right. So he starts off in chapter 16, verse 1, and he said, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Sancria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever manner she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. So, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Rome from Corinth, and it was apparently carried to Rome by Phoebe. She's the mail carrier. Now, Sancria was nine miles from Corinth. Paul called her a fellow worker with him in Corinth, which is part of Greece. Paul is saying 
to the people at Rome, the Christians at Rome, receive her as you would yourself. The word receive, it's a compound word, pros decomai. Pros means face to face. Decomai means to accept. So, accept her. Accept her personally. That's what that means. You know, she took a journey from Corinth to Rome. It's about 750 miles. It was long. It was dangerous. William Barclay said, there should be no strangers in the body of Christ. So that's why Paul said, listen, receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. She's a saint too. And that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has been a helper of many. And of myself. And by the way, she just traveled 750 miles. <laughs> She's probably hungry. She wants to take a bath. She probably needs some rest. So it means stand by her. Help her means be her partner. A sister, stand by. Paul used the same word in 2 Corinthians 4.17 when he talked about the Lord. How he said the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So he understands that even Jesus came alongside Paul and strengthen him, and he wants the Christians in Rome to do that to Phoebe. And why did the Lord strengthen Paul? He said it, so that through me, the proclamation might be fully accomplished. What proclamation? Of the gospel, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was received out of the lion's mouth. So what he's saying is, the Lord delivered him from danger and enabled him to preach the gospel to Gentiles that didn't know Jehovah, didn't have an Old Testament. They're hearing things for the first time. So then he said, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Wow! Look at what he's doing. He's commending the Gentiles for their faithfulness and their support. Now, sometimes Prisca is called Prisca, but it's Priscilla. So whether it's Prisca or Priscilla, it's the same person. And Priscilla and Aquila were a dynamic couple in the church. There was a preacher named Apollos, and he was a very eloquent speaker who many of the early Christians liked to listen to. But he was weak doctrinally. And the Bible tells us in Acts 18.26, he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So they said, wow, this guy can preach. But he needs more knowledge. We're going to take him deeper. So Priscilla and Aquila took um, Apollos aside and brought him deeper into the things of God. <clears throat> Priscilla, Prisca, or Priscilla, she's named first. And uh, Kenneth Weiss, the Greek scholar, said she was the more prominent Christian worker. Many times that's true. You know, we get a lot of good men that serve the Lord and serve in the church, but I'm going to tell you something. I think there's more women. <laughs> I think of all the Christian couples... The more prominent one is the woman, the wife. Why is that? Men? Why is that? Why do men let their wives out 
perform them in the church? Come on, man, we need to pick it up. 2,000 years ago, years ago was the same thing. Verse 5, he said also, greet the church that's in their house. So they had a house church. Greet Eponidas, my beloved, who was the first convert to Christ from Asia. You know what? Though he was the first convert, you know what else is nice about Eponidas? He stayed with it. He's still walking with the Lord. He's still solid. He, he didn't, it wasn't a fad. It wasn't, oh, let me try it. Oh no, he's still with it. And new converts are great in a church. They bring fresh fire to the church, right? They're full of zealousness. They have a lot of questions. Sometimes the more seasoned converts, they cool down and they lose their fire. You know, they get familiar. They've been around a long time and their fire begins to dwindle. In Revelation chapter 2, the Lord spoke to a church in Ephesus and he said, You have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You've left your first love. They had lost their affection for Christ. That's what happened. They lost their affection. That's called going through the motions. I wonder how many Christians in the world have gotten a little Ephesus-like. They Their walk has been reduced to going through the motions. Now it's more routine. And of course, you know, that can happen unintentionally. It's not that we do it on purpose. We We just, it just becomes traditional. We get busy. We get distracted. Maybe we get forgetful. I don't know. So he goes on. That's something we need to watch out for, wouldn't you think? Don't let your fire go out. In verse 6, he said, Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Now, we don't know exactly what Mary did, but it was obviously worth mentioning by the Apostle Paul. And they knew what he was talking about. And speaking about longevity in the church, in verse 7, Greet Anginicus and Janias, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. These guys were saved before Paul. Paul is saying, these people, they, they were around a lot, a lot longer than me, and they're still with it. They're still serving. How beautiful. Every church has people that, when they started serving, man, they've been there for years and years, and they're still serving. Hats off to you folks. God bless you. And then every church has those. They serve for a while, and then then, then they just kind of like, that was it. Flat tire. <laughs> Go on. But the ones that are stuck it out, the one that have the ones that have longevity, oh God bless you. That's those are the ones that keep the church afloat. And the list of fellow workers, oh, it goes on and on. This is why Paul could say earlier in the letter, in Romans twelve, verse four, just as we have many members in one body. And all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So he's saying the human body has many parts and they all work together to help the body go forward. And the church has many parts. And each one of us is a part and we help the church go forward. 
And he said in verse 6, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Exercise your gift. Utilize your gift. You know, when you exercise something, it gets stronger. Get strong in your gift. Everybody has to cultivate their gift. You know, no one's great at it in the beginning, but the more you use it, practice it, exercise it, you get better and better and better. And then joy increases. So now we see the value of workers in Christ. That's what this message is about. Valuing those that serve in the local church. Paul was thankful for those who helped him in his ministry. And in this church and in every church. And you know what? A church will never reach its full potential without those who co-labor together for the cause of Christ. Bench sitters don't help the church go as forward as if they rolled up their sleeves and says, you know what? God gave me a gift. God gave me talents and abilities. I want to use them for the kingdom of God. I want to use them for the cause of Christ. And for all of those of you that do, Thank you. Thank you. And for those that are not there yet, give some serious consideration to ramping it up, getting involved. Don't think low of yourself that you have nothing to offer. You have a lot to offer. You know why? Because Christ put it in you. That's why. It's not that you have anything of yourself, but it's that the Lord put it in you. So what you're doing is you're working out your salvation with fearing trembling. That's what that means. God has placed these wonderful talents and gifts and abilities inside of you. He says, listen, I'm giving you a wonderful purpose in life to expand the kingdom of God, to work with me, to help me. And everybody has a role. Everybody has a part. It could be opening the doors of the church. It could be turning on the lights and the heat. It could be helping people park their car. It could be teaching children or watching babies. It could be preaching the gospel. It could be making coffee. It could be sharing the gospel with strangers. I mean, on and on. It could be, you know, encouraging others one-on-one. Oh, everybody has a calling. We're all different. Not everybody's called to do the same thing, obviously. What if we were all a thumb? (laughs) What if our whole body was just a thumb? Where would that go? Nowhere. You need a thumb, but you need the other four fingers. Plus, you need the palm. You need the wrist. You need the arm and the elbow. Oh, don't forget the shoulder, the back. Don't forget the hips, the legs, the knees, the foot, the toes. And, of course, Christ is the head. Every part. Isn't it good to know that as a Christian, you are in the body of Christ and God has something for you to do? And it's an incredible thing. And by the way, in his grace, he gives rewards in eternity. Oh, yeah. Gold, silver, precious gems. And some will get crowns, crowns for different categories of faithfulness. So the Lord, oh, God is good. God is good. And God is generous. He certainly is. So it's in grace that he calls us, and then it's in grace that he rewards us. Does he need to do that? No, he doesn't. He could send those big, powerful, beautiful angels, but he's chosen to use us. And some of you know the joy of serving God, and some of you are missing out. So get 
back, get with the Lord and say, hey, what am I good at? And everybody is good at something because God gave you that. God made you good at something. You're made in the image of God. And at the moment of salvation, he He instilled inside of you spiritual abilities, things you couldn't do before that you can do after salvation. And maybe you haven't recognized that you have to discover it, you have to cultivate it, and then you have to utilize it. That's the path. Discover it, cultivate it, utilize it. And if you don't know what your gifts are, tell your pastor, teach on spiritual gifts. Or get some books or go online. Learn about spiritual gifts and then discover what God has for you. Because God has given you a gift of salvation. And you can be in that list. All those people that Paul commended, what an honor that was. And your name will be called in heaven as well when you receive your reward for serving God faithfully. Well, what I want to do to wrap up our series today, I want to play a recent Hope Club devotional. Because I call it, What Happened to the Church? And the church is changing. And it's just a little seven-minute devotional. And I want us to really listen carefully and just evaluate. I don't know. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you disagree with me. I don't know. But it's my heart. And it's my thinking about the modern church today. And I just hope it's a source of encouragement for each and everyone. So this is a recent Hope Club devotional. This is what people receive when they join the Hope Club. And this is called What Happened to the Church? This week in the Hope Club, we're watching the ministry of Jesus unfold. Remember on Monday, day one, John the Baptist is introduced to Jesus. Then we talk Wednesday, day two, a couple of disciples found Jesus, Andrew and Simon. Then on day three, they went to a wedding, and Jesus turned water into wine, signifying God saves the best for last. Now, here we go. Another day. And we're going to see, nobody is fired up for God like Jesus. That's what we're going to see today as we wrap up our week in the Hope Club. John chapter 2, verse 12. After he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed a few days, and the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. People like to go to Jerusalem for the Passover. And he went into the temple, and he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changes were seated and when he saw that scene he got really angry and he made a scourge of cords a whip and he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changes threw them all over the ground overturned the tables. Wow. Now, this was actually in the courtyard of the temple. And it really got Jesus fired up. And we're going to see why. Because what happened was, and it goes on today as well, 
people get the wrong idea of church. Oh, that's a mistake we never want to make. People do today too. They get the wrong idea of church. What was going on when people went to Jerusalem for the Passover? They wouldn't take their sacrificial animals on a long journey, be too rough for them, so they would purchase them in Jerusalem. And these money changers, they were exhorting, extorting the people, overcharging. It's like going to Fenway Park and spending $7.50 for a hot dog. <laughs> Stuff like that. And Jesus was really upset. And these guys are making money, hands over fist, in the name of religion. And Jesus said to them, Take these things away and stop making my father's house a house of merchandise. Because they had the wrong idea. They started, you know, everything starts off right and then it deteriorates. Ever notice that? Things start off so good. Many times marriages start off so good and then they deteriorate. Somebody gets a new job and they love the new job and then after a while they get familiar and it deteriorates. You buy a new car. Oh, no eating and drinking in my car. And then after a while, French fries under the seat. It deteriorates. And so it is with religion. Even in our own walk sometimes, we can be all fired up for God. And after time, we get familiar. And our relationship with God begins to deteriorate. That's what happened here. It used to be such a holy thing to go into the presence of God in the temple, and now it became a business. That's what it was, a business. And it says, oh, then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for thy house will consume me. See, the disciples knew who Jesus was, and they knew he would have great zealousness for his Father God. And I want us to look at the modern church today, because I think the church is changing. The church is becoming a feel-good mini-concert with a motivational speech. You know, where's the prayer? Where's the worship? Where's the intimacy with God? You know, we want to have a church that worships God in spirit and truth. Well, the songs don't glorify mankind, but they glorify the work of Christ. We want a church where we pray for each other and we lift up those needs to the throne of God. We want a church where the Word of God is taught line upon line, not a motivational speech with a couple of verses to support it, but we want to learn the Bible. We want to learn the Bible stories and the parables and the Old Testament history. And by learning those things, we find motivation for life. That's the kind of church we want to have. We want a kind of a church where we give not out of manipulation, but out of gratitude, out of thankfulness to God. We give freely and willingly because we're thankful to God for who He is without pressure. We want people to, to discover their own walk with the Lord. That's the freedom that Christ gave us. So think about church. If you're looking for a church, make sure you have the right format. How about this? The right template for a church because things deteriorate 
and the modern church is beginning to deteriorate today, and it's losing its solemnity, its sacredness, even respect for the pulpit. And I believe that when we serve God, we should be at our best, we should look our best, we should put our best foot forward. It shouldn't just be like we, you know, walked off the street and we're giving God leftovers. No, we should be prepared and ready to serve God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love God and to love his people, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Let the word of God teach us how to live as the people of God. That's what we do in church. Oh, the church is such an incredible thing. Think about it. You are part of the building that Jesus is doing. The church. The church is an incredible idea. It's Jesus bringing people together. No one could bring people together the way Jesus did. Because he broke down the barrier between races, languages, cultures. Whatever divides people, it's broken down in Christ. Think about that. And that's the church. So what an opportunity we have to serve in the church. And there's something unique about serving, because when we serve, it comes back on us. You know, the joy comes back when we serve the Lord. So I really hope you'll consider that, and let's let's make the church what the church is supposed to be. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of worship. It's a house of learning. And the motivation comes from the scriptures. We don't have to fabricate it. It will come from the word of God. So be in a church that's going to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love church. Don't you love Sundays? Of course you do. Sundays, like, man, we wait all week for Sunday. Right? What's that football song for Sunday night football? I've been waiting all day for Sunday night. Well, we've been waiting all week for Sunday morning. <laughs> and I hope it's a highlight for you. I really do. Because that's the place we get built up, edified. We get what we need to make our life come. To live our life intentionally. And to be reminded how much God loves us. That's why we go to church. To be reminded how much God loves us.